0: Something that's been really helpful for me and something that I tell people a lot is to really focus on like small everyday things uh, over like big dramatic like actions, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, and this has been something that my church has been really great about emphasizing um, is, you know, think about where you already are and what you're already doing and how can you invite people into that.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church Podcast. My name is Ethan. And my name is Darius. And guys, go check us out on all the social medias. Uh, we're finally on Facebook after three years. It's very sparsely because it's yeah. Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram and TikTok,
2: YouTube. We got a Patreon. You guys know all this stuff. Leave a review, too. Reviews help a lot. Reviews help a Especially lot. Spotify. Yeah, write very nice reviews if you want to write a bad review. Or train us. You can go to any other podcast and leave a bad review, but not this one not very kind. yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, let's get into the show. Yeah. So today we have an awesome guest. Uh, she's a singleness coach. Her name is Mary B. Seyfried. Um, So yeah, Mary B., is there anything you'd like to plug for yourself?
0: Oh, yeah. I have some really fun stuff coming up. Um, yeah. Where I have my own podcast. It's called Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried. Um, I interview single Christians to broaden the conversation on singleness in the church. Our New season, season nine is going to drop February the 21st. Very Mm. excited. It's going to be all about purity culture and sexuality. Mm. And so we've got some really awesome guests lined up, going to be very nuanced, going to come at it from a lot of angles. Really excited. And then I also have a free um, Valentine's Day board game that I'm going to release on February. February the 2nd so um follow me on Instagram or TikTok mm. uh sign up for my newsletter and you'll be the first to know about all of that when it drops There you so go. I'm awesome. maryb.saferit on Instagram and TikTok and my website's marybsaferit.com so mm. very exciting stuff coming up um that's gonna be a lot of fun
2: and where can people listen to your podcast
0: oh anywhere that you get podcasts
2: you Spotify
0: go. Apple all of the places um mm. Yeah, we try to be as broad with our distribution as possible.
2: Cool. I know some people decide to like take it off all those and just put it on their website or something like that, which I never really understood, uh... but thought I'd just make sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Yes, we are all the usual places.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Have you, have you thought about getting on Rumble before?
0: No, I don't know Rumbles. if I know what Rumble is. It's
1: like this up and coming, it's trying to challenge YouTube because like mm-hmm. YouTube's like the giant of like the video space we're not on like there that. yeah we're not but i've, gotcha. I've heard of different podcasts have gone on there and i thought maybe we should be on there because usually it's the people who are like it's like you know what like parlor is it's like the facebook for uh-huh. conservatives <laughs> rumble's sure. kind of like that where it's like almost like video space for people who get demonetized for on youtube but i just always just okay. thinking like man that might be a good thing to be wide, or distributed wide, but I thought like, there's probably not that many people on there. There's like a billion people on YouTube. It's not a lack of audience. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess it all depends on where your people are, and if your people are there, then, you know, Mm -hmm. um, worth it. But I don't know that my people would necessarily be there. I should say that um, we are not on YouTube. Unsuitable Mm. is not on YouTube. Mm. Um, But Spotify, Apple, all of that, just because we do not a ton of editing, but enough that mm. it would be like very challenging to mm-hmm. get the video all right. synced up and whatnot. So right. we're not at that point right yet, but I that. one day.
2: Yeah, cool. So Mayor B, can you tell us what a singleness coach is maybe for people who don't know? Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Ethan were, were kind of joking about it before because we don't like really necessarily yeah. know what it is, but we thought it'd be funny if like a singleness coach was somebody that like someone commits to this person of, like, I'm going to be single. Don't let me ever, like, get in a relationship. And you do everything you can to sabotage their life yeah. so they can never, like, get in yeah. a relationship. Like, yeah. give them terrible advice. And, like, every time they go on a date, like, yeah. it's your job to, like, ruin it or mm-hmm. something. Like, yeah. they're just, like, yeah. chronically, like, in bad relationships. So it's, like, it's your job mm-hmm. to keep them single until like, they heal or something. It's have a bad history
1: with the people I choose to date. You're like, okay, well, I'll show up to every date you're on. And I'll just ruin. It. <laughs> I'll either be like, "Hey, aren't you the guy who kicked the puppy in the park last week?" Or that just, was uh, you. <laughs> that was no, it really was. <laughs> I have a video.
2: So funny. But yeah, So yeah, what yeah, does? Like uh, we know that it's not that. So not to yeah. d- demean you, but she's like, no, no, totally I fine. I was gonna make that. a
0: joke about it uh, being like a sobriety coach, except for <laughs> you know dating. Um, yeah. where I'm just, yeah. I mean, honestly, if that's what it was, I could see myself being pretty good at that. Mm. Um, just cause I like to, you know, live my life doing all of these bits mm. all of the time. And that just feels like it'd be a super fun bit and yeah. I get to like try out different characters and improv. So that's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, that is not exactly what I do though. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just, I, Coach singles who are Christian who are trying to figure out how to uh, do both faithfully and um, you know are really looking to make the most of their right now lives and Mm. really um, step into what God is inviting them into in their current context whether they're going to get married in the future or not um, it's really about you know like how do I build holistically like holistically speaking how do I build healthy relationships Mm. Um, you know we talk about, about like people who need to um who are recovering from purity culture and so uh working through some of that kind of stuff um I mean I'm not a therapist but so it's more like vision casting for mm. the future versus digging up stuff from the past mm. um is kind of how I would qualify the difference there um but also if someone like wants to make a career change or is like I'm moving to a new place and I just want someone to help me like brainstorm how to like create community mm. Um, There's a lot of different stuff that we talk about. I don't like if someone wanted to hire me as more of a dating coach, I could definitely do that. But um, Mm -hmm. it's more kind of the like 90% uh, that comprises the rest of singles Mm -hmm. lives that Mm -hmm. we work with um, as opposed to just focusing in on dating. So that's a little snapshot of what Mm -hmm. I do.
1: Yeah. Do you have a lot of people who are like, hey, I'm choosing to be single and live single intentionally for like celibate, my life. And is that some of the people that you are working with?
0: Um, I would say for me, it's more so people who like find themselves single Hmm. um, and are kind of wrestling with the potential of like, this might be me for the rest of my life. Hmm. Like I don't have a ton of control over whether or not I'm gonna get married. And so, you know, they're not necessarily, yeah. Some some are like, I'm okay with that, and like I'm coming to terms with that. But I just need a little help, like vision casting, because there aren't a ton of models for like what that looks like for mm. what, you know, my life could look like um, in a church context. Um, there just isn't the the support necessarily for people who are mm. in that situation. Um, mm. So it's more people who happen to find themselves single. And mm-hmm. uh, so I would say that like um, it's more people in their 30s and a little bit older. Um, I find that singles who are maybe more in the early 20s space tend to be this is a broad generalization, generalization, but um, are more in the like place of I just want to get on single as quickly as possible right. and like. Marriage is for sure going to happen for me. Um, There's a kind of a threshold where I find that people, especially women, get to a point where they're like, oh, right, this is not a guarantee. What is my life going to look like? What is like the hope for me and my like, um, what does it look like to build a full, meaningful, faithful life Hmm. as a person who is single long term? Hmm. So,
2: wow. Yeah, those are some deep things to wrestle through, too.
1: Yeah, and we mm. I know like that's not got to be an easy road to walk either mm. after cuz like I was thinking like yeah, young 20s are probably like they're just finding their footing, they just either graduating college or getting started in a career, but yeah, once you've been maybe living your life for a while and settled so into your career and those questions start coming up that there is it's it's great to have a place mm. to turn to and and kind of soundboard off and have another person to talk to mm. about about mm. all that stuff. How long have you yeah, been a first... singleness coach?
0: Um so I've been a coach for uh, three years now. I've changed the phrasing hmm. around a little bit, but um, I've just started using the phrase, the terminology, the language of a uh, singles coach hmm. um, in the last year or so. Hmm. Um, just cause I, I wrestled with like relationship coach or life coach. And you know, hmm. I singles coach felt the most right hmm. um, for, to describe what I'm doing. Cause it's not, necessarily specifically about relationship and there's also the connotation if you're a relationship coach you're going to be like coaching people with dating um mm-hmm. right so yeah I would say link uh from a vocabulary linguistic perspective it's been about a year but I've been a coach one-on-one coach mm-hmm. for for a few years now
2: how did you identify the certain problems um, that you now cover within your coaching
0: mm. um yeah I started like really digging into this niche um, probably five years ago. Mm. Um, and so it, it started uh, cause I had an idea for a book mm. um, and really saw a void in the Christian market in particular um, when it comes to books that are for singles mm. um, that aren't necessarily about getting unsingle as quickly as possible that aren't, and also that are like written by actual single people mm. um, and that are like coming, not necessarily coming from a place of marriage is a guarantee or like you just need to be content and like forcing people kind of through that um, process without any nuance or depth. So mm. um, yeah, I, I became really fascinated by the topic and by the, um, the lack of resources mm. for single people. Um, because I, I am single myself Mm. and, um, it's not necessarily something that I sought out, but I think it was because I had this idea in my head of what resources for singles would be about. And it would mostly be about here's how to prepare Mm. yourself for marriage, Mm -hmm, um, mm. which is not the path that I was really on at the time. Mm. Um, always have been very much like excited by like creative work and, um, you know, being open to following wherever the Lord calls me, you know, Mm. I've done some missions work. I've, uh, gone to grad school. I like moved to New York. So I, I feel I was always a lot more excited about that path than the marriage path. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, from there started just having more open conversations with people who are actually single and Christian, um, moving to New York was a huge, part of that as well, I will say, because there's just it's just a lot more normalized here yeah. to be single, quote unquote later in life. Mm. Um, whatever that means. But uh yeah, so I just found myself in a culture that was very different from um, you know, growing up in the southeastern United States. It's very much more so like uh just marriage is so much more normalized and that's just like kind of the given mm. thing that you're gonna do. Um, yeah so like having these really open honest conversations looking into what kind of resources are out there and like where my personal frustration was with those resources and you know just kind of putting stuff out there building um my Instagram I have a blog as well and then the podcast um just yeah having a ton of conversations with people and seeing like it was kind of this moment of um I can't be the only one who feels this Mm. way. I can't be the only Mm. one who's frustrated by this. Mm. I can't be the only one who is really hungry for uh, a different conversation on singleness. Mm. And I wasn't. So it's been really cool to discover that and to, um, yeah, over the past five years, just really like listen to what people are saying, what the questions that people are asking, um, getting to work with different kinds of people getting to talk to um a pretty broad range of humans Hmm. on my podcast um yeah i think it's it's all come from just a combination of all of those things Hmm. and then just giving myself the time and space to to think and pray and meditate and research very deeply on this topic
2: Hmm. wow have you seen the landscape of what it's like to be single increase in like its positivity in the last three years since you've been starting, or like it's less five years since you've been studying it, from where we were to where we are now? Like, are people more accepting of people being single or even the idea of you're not gonna get, not everybody's gonna get married in their lifetime or is it kind of the same?
0: Um, I mean, it's there, it seems to be shifting a little bit mm. just as far as at least the fact that more people seem to be talking about it more and I don't know if that's just like because I am paying more attention Mm. in a very Mm. particular way but um I do find that there seems to be greater recognition at least within within um the general Christian cultural zeitgeist Mm. of like this reality that there are so many single people in Mm. the church and what are we going to what are we going to do with that information? What are we going to do about that information? What, why is this happening? And people have all sorts of theories about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would say that the, um, I think that there is kind of a critical mass as far as singles go. Mm. That is making the conversation feel more urgent. Um, because I think like, you know, just so many people who are in leadership who are like thought leaders, even in the Christian space mm. are married. And so the, the reality of, of singleness of being a single Christian is just like, can be pretty separate from um, like pretty isolated from the conversations that are happening in the rooms where decisions are being made. And so there isn't, there's just kind of that, I mean, it's human nature to, um, not necessarily be able to think outside of not even mm, 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 words like to not necessarily know what questions even we need to be asking or mm. not have a particular perspective or lens or way of being able to see this is like, this is a very real problem. And maybe we're not addressing it in a way that is helpful for those people or like helpful for the church as a whole
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was that coherent at all Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay
1: (laughs) so in your experience with coaching different people and you know writing a podcast i'm sure you interact with a lot of Mm -hmm. single people whether you're Mm -hmm. directly coaching them or maybe they're reaching out to you what is like Mm -hmm. the biggest or most common question that people wrestle through when they are talking to you and then Um, then following that up, like what, like, how do you answer them?
0: Mm. Um, yeah, I think conversation that I have a lot with a lot of people, um, is really, it's really about like, I don't know, this disconnect between what, um, hmm, how do I want to phrase this? I think what i find is that people singles really want like very real deep thick community mm. um and are having a lot of trouble being met in that need mm. by the church by their commu- the communities that they're in um because our It's at least like Western American, white American culture, um, is pretty, pretty isolated and pretty Mm -hmm. insular as far as like nuclear families. And so, um, you know, there's really that, that desire to be kind of part of a larger group and context, um, outside of their own household that I think has, is a pretty consistent struggle that I hear from singles where um, you know, they don't necessarily want, like, a whole singles ministry or whatever. They just they just want, like, to figure out how to really invite people into their lives and be invited into people's lives mm. um, in this really, like, interconnected, interdependent way. Um, that is really what we see, you know, in Scripture when we look at the early church church. Um, mm. And, and so there's that real hunger for that. And so they're wondering, how do I, like, how do I do that when like, I'm not necessarily being met in that. And like, how do Mm. I really like, how do I communicate with my church leaders? How do I like explain what it is that I want, what it is that is needed here and you know, how do I talk to my married friends and ask for what I need? How do I like set boundaries with, you know, um, uh, how much I'm serving at hmm. church so that like I'm not overextending myself for the sake of feeling this sense of thick community. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. I would say like real community is the big a big thing that we talk about hmm. quite a bit. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you find that overextension of the individual happens a lot when people are searching for that deeper community?
0: Um, I mean, I would say so. there's there's definitely, Uh, this is something I talk about a lot, even with my friends who are uh, single. Mm. um, This sense that, you know, especially if you're single, but I I think it's probably true for a lot of people in a lot of different um, life, life circumstances um, that if you're not like volunteering out the yin yang, Mm. then, you know, there's not necessarily that feeling of connection or visibility Mm. with Mm. the church. And so, it kind of becomes this question of, is my value in this community contingent on my usefulness? Mm. Um, And I think, like, um, there's also a a perception that singles have so much more time, Mm. and so they should be serving, like, every free moment that they have should be given to the church, and they should be serving in X, Y, and Z capacities. Um, And so... I think like there's a few different components there that kind of, um, lead to this, this pressure, um, to overcommit, overextend ourselves.
1: Hmm. And so how do you respond to people when they say like, yeah, I have this deep longing for real community and yeah. What, what is the, in your opinion, the solution to that?
0: Mm. Um,
2: not a small question at all. Solve all of our problems. (laughs) Let me give you the
0: five points of how to make real community. Um, No, I I think, like, something that's been really helpful for me and something that I tell people a lot is to really focus on, like, small, everyday things uh, over, like, big, dramatic, Mm. like, actions. Mm. You know, like, um, and this has been something that my church has been really great about emphasizing um, is, You know think about where you already are and what you're already doing and how can you invite people into that versus having to create a whole new thing um you know like everybody eats Hmm. everyone has to do laundry everyone has to do all of these things you know can you invite somebody into that Hmm. or like you're connected to people just by the nature of being a person in the world you know you have your your um building that you live in or your neighborhood that you live in you have your church that you go to you have your workplace um and so like what are the little moments um in any of those areas where you can just kind of be a little bit more intentional in the questions that you're asking and how you're engaging with each other or Mm -hmm. how you're spending your meal time or um you know how you're like where you're serving and 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 the kinds of conversations that you're having so like um You know, I play trivia with some friends on a Monday night and a Mm. couple of them are friends from church. A couple are friends from college. Um, But that's just a thing that we set up like a couple years ago to kind of just it was it's super fun. But just to like have it in the schedule. Mm. So it's just kind of there isn't that extra level of bandwidth required to like try and coordinate everyone's schedules and try Mm. to figure out when you're available and whatever. That can be like a pretty big mental hurdle Um, or even like worrying about, am I bothering them by reaching out to them? You know, like even that more, like, I don't know, insecure, vulnerable, like human side of it. Um, Mm. so just to have, find ways to, um, put those little things into your schedule or like Mm. figure out where in your schedule you can fold people in. Mm. Um, I think in a very, in very small, sustainable ways, um, has been really huge for me. And it's something that I'm always telling people and inviting people to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to sound like I like kind of arrogant or so. So I'm kind of saying this in a cheeky sense, like to. maybe, um, but I'm a huge extrovert. So I would think mm-hmm. that if I was in this situation, I would try to call a number of my closest friends and be like, guys, let's just all get a house together and be roommates. <laughs> so we're always together is that a fair Uh response or is that like an like an ignorant response like a response without knowledge
0: no i think that's that's definitely a thing that uh people do there's especially i mean here in new york city like oh my gosh i mean housing everywhere is ridiculous right now but like here it's just always ridiculous and expensive so there's some very um creative living situations for sure Um, and I think that, you know, like personally I live by myself, um, Mm. but that's definitely, I'm also introverted though. So I do like Mm -hmm. having my space. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable thing. I think also like housing instability is, is a whole issue Mm. with singles as well. Um, just as far as like the, like having only one income and like, also you know not necessarily being in a a solid financial place to buy all the time mm -hmm. just and like if you're living with roommates then there's the you you don't have any sort of guarantee that they're gonna want to be your roommate for any extended period of time so you're having to like find a new roommate and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so if you know um i think that's a great idea and a great solution um i also like think that having a conversation up front about hey what is the like commitment here and what is the expectation as far as like how long we would be in this situation like mm-hmm. just being very clear about that kind of thing because there there is that um i guess baggage of hmm. uh relational uncertainty right. that i think a lot of right. singles will be bringing into that
1: yeah that makes sense i think we've seen that in different contexts mm-hmm. we what part of yeah. our jobs that we get a bunch of students who come through and so you get to know people okay. really well for like six months and then you never yeah. see them again and yeah. so after like doing that for a little bit it's almost hard sometimes to be like i'm really gonna pour myself out and get to know you because it's yeah. like well yeah i could but there's also dairy's gonna be here for four years and you know that's a lot more stable You know, um, just an example. But did you happen to listen to the episode we did with Peter Valk? Is that his last name? Mm -hmm. Peter Valk?
0: I did not, but I have had him as a guest on my podcast. And I love Peter. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to
1: ask if if you were familiar because he kind of had a similar solution to what I brought up, but more of a deeper commitment of like, hey, we are committed to like staying here for a long time Mm -hmm. and and having that friendship. So it's like a number of them. And that's yeah. kind of where I was thinking about. It. I was like, that would sound super fun as as in terms of the situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like Peter's doing some really, really interesting thing and things and like really pushing the envelope, really uh asking a lot of really important, really great questions. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Peter's. Um but yeah, I think it even brings up the question of like what kinds of commitment conversations can I have with people who are friends mm-hmm. um versus and what is what is the expectation that we have there and is our view of friendship so low that we don't think that we can even bring that up that mm-hmm. it's asking too much of a friend to to you know commit to like two years or three years mm-hmm. um and you know recognizing that life happens and blah 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 um you know but even just
1: What's up guys so we had a quick little interruption um- Computers and technology. So uh, we're just going to get right back into it. We're finishing off talking about the commitment level of friendship and how sometimes mm. you don't have that vulnerability or how do you, and you were saying like, do we view friendship so low that we can't ask for, for yeah. long-term commitment? Yeah. And so do you just want to finish off yeah. some of that stuff and then Dario have a follow-up yeah. question?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, um, I think... If- personally even thinking about having those kinds of conversations
1: a little
0: scary um mm. but you know i think it's it's at least worth asking and at least worth broaching the, the and, and examining our yeah. own assumptions about what what friendship is mm. you know because mm. if we look at uh you know how jesus talks about friendship it's pretty revolutionary you know mm. he talks about how greater love has no one than this than to lay their friend. And Jesus, you know, we see Jesus like really investing in these friendships that he has with the disciples, with, um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, with, you know, all of these, all of these people that he really is able to pour into in a really significant way. And even like the way that, you know, Jesus talks about his, his relationships with them. He says, I've called you friends, not servants. Mm. Um, and mm. so I think like really deepening are like really allowing the Lord to broaden our imagination for what friendship is and the role that it can play in our lives, especially as Christians. Um, I think like there's a really incredible opportunity there for for the entire church. And I really think that Hmm. singles like feel that need in a very urgent way. That is a really cool opportunity um, for like, I don't know. I think it could be pretty revolutionary for our communities and especially with like loneliness being such an epidemic, not just for single people, but for everybody. Um, You know, it really like, uh, it's such a human thing that this like deep need for community, even just like, I mean, you know, one person can't be all of that. And God didn't create uh, us to be just isolated um, individuals. And so, I think there's just like a really cool we're at a really cool moment where, like, I think if singles were kind of brought to the forefront of that conversation and especially like um, I think LGBTQ celibate singles have a really unique and awesome perspective on this um, as well. Um, You know, there's just a a, we're at a cool moment where that could be like very revolutionary and very transformative Mm. for the church and really neat. A cultural, a deep cultural need at mm. the same time.
2: Wow, yeah, yeah. I think our cultures have definitely devolved away from the family aspect so much. Even in just our communities, how we used to live so much closer to each other, and now we have friends that live miles apart, and you know we have cars mm-hmm. and stuff to mm-hmm. get to see them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've, we've definitely separated a lot. So this this aspect seems extreme of like asking friends to commit to you, where there's usually like, an unspoken commitment that happens within how much right. you share with someone and an unspoken vulnerability and intimacy that you have that kind of creates an unspoken bond. But having like a verbal bond between somebody, um, it seems extreme, but it seems mm. like that's where the solution kind of lies within a lot of our yeah. cultured problems or our holes that we have mm. um, with people who don't have those kind of communities. Have you seen people in your life apply this at all? Like actually speaking out and verbalizing that kind of commitment, or not really.
0: I think that what I've experienced more so is, um, you know, I've had a, I've heard this from a couple of different podcast guests, but actually, someone said this to me when, um, you know, two of my friends started dating, and it was awesome, amazing, really great. They're married now, mm. fantastic humans. Um, but just that like moment of relational shift caused like some uncertainty Mm. for me that I didn't even know like how to address or how to like, you know, it was just something that I didn't have like language for at the time. This was like several years ago Um, and just got coffee with one of them. And, and he was like, you know, this isn't going to change anything. Like we love you and we're like your friends and we're like going to be like, we're not going anywhere. Um, And that was just, that was a super powerful moment. Um, And so I've tried to kind of carry that with me. And there've Mm. been a few moments where I've been Mm. able to say that to different friends um, who seem to be expressing like that same anxiety and uncertainty about Mm. like shifts in our friendship or just shifts in their lives um, where they're noticing like friends kind of ghosting them or whatever. Mm. Um, Just to have those, those little moments where I see I've had a few moments um, where I see that opportunity and I only say it if I mean it. It's not something that I'm just going to like say, you mm-hmm. know, um, but to just really take that opportunity to say, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm committed to this friendship and I really care about you and I really value you as a friend. And I love that you're part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's more the case for me and what mm-hmm. I've seen and experienced versus like, mm-hmm. okay, Let us sign a friendship contract (laughs) that we are going to be part of each other's lives for the next, you know, Mm
2: -hmm. however
0: many years. Um, It's reiteration that, um, again, it's pretty, I don't know, it would be pretty vulnerable, I think, to to, uh, even ask for that reassurance. But, um, you know, if we can kind of look for those little moments to just... I don't know, affirm the friendship, affirm a person's mm-hmm. value in our lives, and a- affirm like our love for them um, in a way that's like very natural and organic. And it doesn't have to be a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like, hey, I just want to tell you that you're important to me. And like, you know, I have some friends who are having a baby. And I was like, hey, I like, I know that I am not the best with kids. <laughs> um, and I say that frequently, but like, I want to be part of your kid's life. And I want mm-hmm. to like, really be part of your your family and and you know because we're like really great friends and so Mm -hmm. like whatever you Mm -hmm. need like I really don't want you to hesitate to ask and you know I'm planning to like come over and help out and all Mm -hmm. of that so yeah just like looking for those little moments to affirm the friendship especially in times of transition where it's like hey I don't know how this is going to change things but I want you to know that like I'm committed to like figuring it out with hmm. you. Hmm.
2: Hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's good. Have you seen a lot of people, um, either the, of your friends or people that you coach, deal with the same kind of problems when it comes to people getting married or friends moving away or even friends that are already married, having kids, and a lot of that, that stress yeah. come up? Do you see that often? Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Um, I think that there's uh, a ton of that. I mean, like even if, uh, I don't even know how many times it's happened to me or people I know, like where mm. your friend starts dating someone, even and they just like yeah. completely vanish because they're just a hundred percent in that relationship. Which is like part of that is normal and and uh, could be and codependent human. too. It's just very human. It could yeah. it could be yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I think it's very healthy to have like uh, you know a whole community around you in those mm. situations. But Absolutely. um, mm-hmm. y- you know I think like there's so many times when especially if when a friend gets married like uh, there's a real sense of mourning that I think a lot of singles Mm. experience or a real grief because so many times right it's it's like they enter into married people land and they're like your your life uh um your like common experience Mm. what am I what is the phrase I'm looking for? I don't even know. But your your shared experience as far as, you know, your life paths are diverging there. And so just as far as commonality, they're, ne- they're very naturally going to have a lot more in common with and those like unspoken realities that come along with being married, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to have in common with people, other people who are married. And so your realities are like more going to. Going to become more and more different from each other Mm -hmm. as long as that person stays single and so there's there's kind of that very human thing that wants to connect with people who are in those kind of similar situations and i'm not saying that like you shouldn't married people should have married friends um but you know for a lot of people there's been a lot of times where a friend gets married and basically they forget their single friends they forget what Mm -hmm. it's like to be single Um, And they're off in married world and doing all the married people things and hanging out with their couple friends. And Mm. um, it's a, it's a a huge source of grief I think for a lot of people. And so even when friends start dating someone or friends get engaged or friends get married, there's that extra level of like Mm. fear and anxiety because it's happened in the past. Mm. Um, And so you're like really not sure Is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? And that's a great opportunity for communication Hmm. as well.
2: Hmm. Do you think that this divide that kind of happens, and I've seen this a lot, when what you just reiterated, um, with people when they get married, they kind of go off and sit in like married person land and they have their married friends now that they hang out with, maybe because they have more in common. Um, but do you think that this is more of a a problem that speaks to how individualistic our lives are now to where we don't include different kinds of people within our like friendship spheres where it used to be like yeah this older couple is here and then this guy who's single is also here Mm -hmm. and like all these different people are part of my community now it's much more like people my age and of my like status hang out together and then when that status changes or when that subgroup or subculture changes we go and hang out with a different kind of group that we can like feel comfortable mm. with, and it it's not segregated at all, really. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it's more of that kind of a problem, or or where's your sort of evaluation of the problem there?
0: Mm. Um, yeah, I saw a tweet a while ago that's like uh, just lived rent free in my head ever since. I think it was Kate Boyd, Katie Boyd, I think mm. is her name, um, and she's talking about community and this this segmentation that um, happens very naturally. And she said, uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher it. But basically she said, you know, that happens because we think that what we need is commiseration when what we need is collaboration. Mm. Um, and so it's this like, um, I don't know. I think like it's definitely easier in some ways to hang out with people who get you and who get your life and who, Mm like can commiserate with you and you know or like just have wisdom about hmm. your you know what you're going through like oh my kid's doing this oh yeah my kid was just doing that and you know I don't know if that was a bad example because I don't know very much about children but <laughs> um, <laughs> um but I think like it, and there's definitely a need for that but yeah this kind of segmentation I think um I, I don't know I think like we feel like maybe there's a part of us that thinks like, again that that sense of sameness is what we need and want Mm. when really like that difference and that like outside perspective is really like enriching Mm. and really healthy even Um, and I do feel like there is a sense that you know like we're not um, there's a whole thing that I've a discourse that I've kind of been part of or heard on TikTok about like third spaces hmm. um, where you have like your home and your work but aren't there aren't necessarily besides like restaurants and bars and stuff like these third spaces where hmm. people just kind of hang out like in a you know at college you would have like uh, right, I don't know the quad or the like the, tons of spaces where yeah. people mm-hmm. just go and hang out and that's mm-hmm. like such an important part of building community is having those those spaces where people hmm. are hanging out. Um, And, you know, once you kind of leave college, um, culturally, we just don't necessarily have those in the same way. You know, you can have these like, I don't know, like, um, like sports teams or like trivia teams or whatever. But there's a lot of those that revolve around spending money or, you -hmm. know, whatever. So um, there isn't necessarily that, um, I don't know, underlying like infrastructure to support that kind of community building Mm -hmm. that can make it really challenging. And I think church in a lot of ways could, is that third space for a lot of people. Um, but you know, there's definitely a lot of room for growth in, in how that particular Mm -hmm. kind of third space is set up and how it does and doesn't facilitate that kind of collaborative thick community. Mm -hmm. Um, and how it like maybe reinforces this insular nuclear family unit kind of model that is a cultural thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said, I love it. Collaboration and that, like you said, that reinforces people to have more of that familial model that we miss so much. Um, And I think a lot of people would just say this is opinion but I think it's generally true that that's the kind of thing that we need where a lot of couples will Mm -hmm. just isolate themselves after they get either Mm -hmm. dating or they get married and they completely change their lives. And it, it does, um, in my opinion, unfairly disrupt a lot of other things in people's lives that they were counting Mm -hmm. on for their community and stuff like that. And it's so easy to do now that you don't, you don't necessarily move like maybe one person moves. Um, but like Mm -hmm. there isn't, you're not like out of town now, but you've moved Mm -hmm. relationally from so many people, um, and it just becomes yeah. so different. And it is a disruption yeah. in ways that is can be harmful for some people. But there's a lot of people who will do relationships correctly and don't just isolate themselves from their friends' lives yeah. or whatever, become different people after they get in relationships. And we can definitely learn a lot from, from those kinds of people, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So at the end, we start talking about the church there. Um, and I know the church and church culture affects so much of this sphere that we're kind of talking about. Um, what is? What are the things mm-hmm. you think that the church gets wrong about being single, singleness, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but I'm sure like a lot of people that you counsel are sort of in that realm or that sphere. Um, mm-hmm. So what are the areas that you think the church sort of misses or doesn't talk about or gets wrong when it comes to being single?
1: Mm.
0: I mean, how long do you have? <laughs> um, there, no, there's, uh, there's – it's, I don't want to, you know, just poo poo on the church. I love the church. I'm a huge fan of the church. Um, I think like, uh, yeah, I think a lot that the church gets wrong. I think that, um, I mean, there just isn't like dialogue necessarily between Hmm. singles and married folks or singles and church leadership, um, especially single women. Um, and that has you know there's a lot of different things we can point to as to why that is mm. um you know purity culture not least of which um just in the perception of single women mm. um and uh i think uh so yeah that that disconnect i think is a huge um pain point and a huge thing that we kind of all get wrong when it comes to talking about singleness is that just singles aren't involved in the conversation mm. um in a in a substantial meaningful way and so there's maybe a disconnect between what, like, if anything is being offered, what is being offered and how it's being offered. Um, you know, I think like, so there's that disconnect that could be addressed through representation, like, hmm. uh, you know, like married people who know single people, like really using that um, privilege to to advocate for their single friends and nominate them for leadership positions. Hmm. Um, but I also think like, I don't know there's a lot of deeper assumptions that um are kind of uh really challenging to uh for single people to uh i don't know work against it it i think there's like a lot of perceptions that if you're single for a long period of time like still there's you know there's something wrong with you Mm. like you're single because like I don't know, you like have a collection of porcelain dolls. You know what I mean? Mm. Like uh, that there's something, there has to be something wrong with you that is making you single. Um, And so there's like the assumption that marriage is the ultimate and all be all goal for a person's life and God's will for everyone and God's best plan for everyone. Um, You know, that's not necessarily something that everybody would say, but um, when you hear singles being spoken to or counseled um, like just being asked about their dating life before they're asked about anything else or given these platitudes about how to find a spouse or mm. you know um, really focusing in on that one area of their life versus being treated as a whole person with a whole series you know like a, a, a whole life in history and, mm. and series of interests and, and callings um, um, so I think that is a big thing as well just these these underlying assumptions that um we're really going to have to do a lot of work to unearth and and really refocus um back on you know Christ <laughs> who is the the foundation the the bedrock of the author and perfecter of our faith. Um yeah, and I think like the I um Again uh, we mentioned that I mentioned this earlier, but really seeing singles as a valuable part of the community as they are where they are versus being seen uh their value being kind of tied up in their usefulness or marriageability. Hmm. um so what is it like what is the uh perception of singles as like, what is their inherent value? How do singles embody the gospel in a very particular way mm. that is super valuable to this community? What are the questions that single Christians are asking with their lives that the church can learn from, that the church can really, like, that God is offering us as a way to expand our understanding of who God is and who mm. Jesus is and what what this life of faith can look like mm. um, and what kinds of relationships we were created for and how we live that out and how that teaches us it shows us a a broader picture of who god is Mm. um yeah i think mm, um those are just a few things that come to mind Mm. that's great
2: Mm. yeah yeah awesome stuff Mm. um one last question that i had about more of like the biblical aspect of everything we're talking about in singleness what would your response be i have some ideas too but what would your response be to someone that would be listening to this conversation they would say well this is all like fine and good but what's the point like shouldn't like biblically someone be searching for a significant other so that they can get married and have kids isn't that a biblical model that we should be following like every time for every person what would you say to someone who has that perspective on what the bible says about marriage Mm -hmm. life community
0: yeah, I mean, I would ask for receipts on that. Um, just to say, where where do you see that mm. um, as the biblical model? Um, and I'm not saying that it's not there. I'm just, I just would be curious to hear um, to follow that logic and train of thought because um, it definitely is one. But I mean, I don't know. There's so many things that you could point to, like mm. the life of Jesus, number right. one. Um, but, you know, even if we follow like, um, the, the overall story arc of scripture, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of emphasis, I would say in the old Testament on, you know, biological family, Mm. procreation, building, you know, God's kingdom through, through, um, biological procreation. But we do see like a marked shift in the new Testament, um, with how Jesus talks about family and how Jesus talks about, um, making disciples, mm-hmm. right. How Jesus talks about multiplication, how Jesus, uh, talks about, you know, like, um, um, I have it written down here. Uh, you know, like there's a moment when Jesus is, is, uh, preaching and are teaching and he, uh, his mom and brothers, you know, come and are like, hey, we want to talk to you. And Jesus is like, who who is my mother and who are my brothers? Mm-hmm. Anyone who does the will of my father, that's my mother, that's my sister, that's my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, even looking at the language of being born again into the family of God through being born again uh, by water in the spirit. I think there's really strong, uh, a really strong shift that we can see, or at least a lot of places where Jesus at least challenges our, our concept of this, this supremacy of the biological family and says mm. it, it's so much bigger than that. Like when we're born again, when we like become, well, he obviously doesn't say it, when we become Christians, mm. but you know, when we were born again, we, we have this tie and we have this bond with one another that is so much deeper than blood and biology. And it's so much more eternal than blood and biology or even like a, a marriage contract. Mm. Um, that like that is that there is a home and there is a place for anybody Mm. here whether you're married whether you're single um, that God has that God's promises are for everyone Mm. And, and we really see Jesus modeling that in a really beautiful and a really profound way and really challenging this idea that there is one way to get to like that there is one life path that would lead us to god that would lead us to himself um yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's what i would say
1: yeah now i would say that the bible isn't in favor either or of which direction um i think that's pretty neutral and has advice to singles and married but to play devil's advocate to um like hey like what's the biblical narrative for that i was just thinking like what would someone say um i would wonder if they would point to the fact that Jesus created humanity in a marriage context and told them to multiply and take over the world. Now, maybe it was only that because they needed to multiply. um, But the first picture of humanity you see would be a um, covenantal marriage. And then the final picture that you see in the Bible is a marriage with Jesus and his church, the bride, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'd wonder, I know that if someone could point to that, and if they did, what would be your response?
0: mm-hmm yeah I think like totally legit Uh, be fruitful multiply all of that jazz creation mandate mm. solid Um, I think like I don't know how I read it I kind of see like first I don't think that Uh, I don't read like it's not good for man to be alone as being like specific to like marriage context I don't Think that marriage is the prescription for that for everyone like I think that it's actually a much broader um picture that Mm -hmm. we ultimately get um as far as you know uh what what it means that man should not be alone um but I also think that there's a really interesting parallel that I kind of make um or at least connection that I make between this creation mandate and the the um the Great Commission, where Jesus says to go and uh, make disciples of all nation, which is a type of multiplication, right? That that to me, like, I think we can look back and think our goal is to get back to this like Edenic picture of the world, or like, how are we, like, how is Jesus handing us this expanded view of where we are headed and what we are ultimately created for which is this union of us and him Hmm. um and so like to me i think there's to me the great commission um is this really beautiful broadening and inclusive picture of like what it means to fulfill that specific component of the creation mandate Hmm. which you know plenty of uh, we see so many we see several examples in the bible um in the new testament specifically of people who like Jesus and Paul and and a lot of these early church leaders who mm. one it would be very it would be very hard to say that they were not fruitful and did not multiply because mm. they are the reason that we have a church mm. um and so that like i think to me it's it's kind of a shifting of focus to what this new heaven and this new earth that we are going towards what does that look like and like yes Mm -hmm. there is that imagery of the union between jesus and the church but that's not between us Mm -hmm. as human beings right that's that's like the ultimate like marriage to me is a signpost to that ultimate union that we're going Mm -hmm. to have Mm -hmm. um and so i think like once we have the actual thing why would we want or need the signpost we have the actual union the actual thing that it was kind of pointing us towards all along Mm. so that's kind of how i think about it like okay yes and yes this is how we were created this is the the narrative and this is the model and also like what what does the life of jesus Mm. jesus was not if jesus was was the perfect man Who lived a perfect life and he didn't fulfill that specific interpretation Mm. of the creation mandate what does that set what does that tell Mm. us what does that kind of invite us like how might that shift our thinking and the way that we're picturing what we're ultimately headed for as believers
1: yeah it's interesting because yeah he didn't have like an earthly wife but Mm. he definitely has like, like I said, like that, that bride, like us, we are technically his right. wife. So he has that relational right. component, but not in a like human ministry. But even so, like, you know, right. Paul, First uh, Corinthians pulled yep. up, First Corinthians 7, Paul's all about like, yep. hey, if you are married, don't seek to be unmarried. If you're not married, don't worry about it. If you're not married, you have full yep. devotion to the Lord and you can 100% yep. focus on serving the Lord. And he's like, if you're not, your interests are divided. But... Um, along with that he says you know if you if you marry you have not sinned if a virgin marries she has not sinned yet such will have trouble in this life and I am trying to spare you mm. and I find it hilarious that mm. Paul's like listen yeah. you get married go for it you're gonna it's have gonna lots be of hard, drama but go for it you know <laughs> I just think it's yeah. hilarious mm. but yeah, I think the yeah. New Testament's pretty clear that it's neither here nor there, like none is higher than the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our value yeah, is not dependent upon our marital status. Our value is mm. dependent on who we are as God's creation, and that is divinely yeah. um, given to us and cannot be taken away by mm. any means of marital status. Mm.
2: Also, when we're perfect in the right. kingdom, we won't be given in marriage either. Except to Jesus. Except to Jesus. Yeah. Right. You yeah. said the, the shift in that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Very interesting.
1: Yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah. Well, we like to ask our guests one last question when they're on the show. We created the show um, for the reason of helping people with their questions, things you don't hear in church, answering the gray areas of the Christian faith. So the thing we like to ask everybody before they go, uh, I know it's off topic and it's a big question, but we like to ask people, what is the thing that has been the hardest thing you've gone through in your faith whether it's caused you to doubt your faith or it's just been hard to go through that other people might also struggle with it can be a question or an experience or something um that you can that you like you went through and you're still a christian after it maybe you found an answer maybe you haven't found an answer but do you have something that you want to share with us Mm -hmm. or share with the audience
0: yeah um you know i've gone through. A couple of bouts of pretty serious depression in my life. Um, the first time, it was uh, my faith was really sustaining through it, and God really like uh, met me in it in a very. Um, the second time around, it was a little drier spiritually, um, and I was also going through a lot of just transitions. It was like shortly after I moved here, career wise, like was making a huge shift, and um, was just feeling really listless. I was also in therapy, um, and was like just yeah asking a lot of learning unearthing a lot about myself and my past and so just like had this moment uh several moments where I like was just questioning all of it like I don't know I've never doubted that God exists or anything like that I think I've just mostly been like are you good or are you kind Mm -hmm. of a a a-hole like uh, you know like I I so there was like very profound moment where I was like I don't my picture of God is so tied up in all of these different filters that I have based on these relationships from my past and relationships in my life. And so I don't even know who God is anymore or what like these basic concepts of faith mean for my life. Um, And I would say what has sustained me through that, um, what sustained me through that, I should say, um, was like I was still like really involved in my, church in my community and like Mm. building those relationships. And I would say that like finding safe people, safe people who are Christians to talk to about that stuff and to ask those who were like very receptive to those big questions and didn't try to answer them just like wanted to know me and love me through them. Mm. Um, And like, I don't know, I've really learned a lot about the faithfulness of Jesus through the faithfulness of these friends who have really met me Um, who really met me in that time when, um, it was a pretty dark time Hmm. in my life. So, yeah.
2: Wow. Thanks for sharing.
1: That's really awesome. That's great. I'm sure that like a lot of people can relate to those those seasons. that's going to really reach and encourage a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Before we, we take off, if you want to point people in the direction of your social medias again, your podcast, just another reminder, um, we'll put it all in the description below so people can find you as well. Hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at maryb.saferit. My website is com and I've got some fun freebies there for uh, for folks. And then uh, you can get my book, The Single Christian Church Survival Guide on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uh, podcast is <laughs> Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferet, and you can get that. Uh, you can listen to that wherever you get podcasts. And if you get podcasts somewhere that we aren't please reach out and let us know and we will happy happily fix that for you Mm
1: -hmm. sounds good all right guys uh check out all her content it's Mm. below just click all those links and we'll see you next week